Today's reading is from Luke, chapter 14, verses 15 through 34. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? The word of the Lord. Good morning. Uh, my name's Scott. Uh, let me pray uh, as we come uh, to God's word together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, how we praise you that you speak to us. Father, in this season, we maybe we feel our need of that even more, uh, all the more acutely. Uh, Father, thank you that in this passage you speak to us of, of a hope, but also of challenge, that we would respond to Jesus rightly. Please, uh, would we do that uh, as we hear you speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me take you back um, to December 2010. Uh, I'm at Stansted Airport. It was a morning much like this, actually. Uh, the snow was in the air. Um, I was waiting for a flight uh, back to Belfast, but the snow was coming down and all flights uh, were cancelled. So I have to um, uh, jump on a train uh, from Stansted Airport to Liverpool, uh, quite far, quite expensive. Um, I'm on that train and, uh, and on the way, uh, I'm having to ring, um, ring around various agencies to try and get a ticket on the ferry that goes from Liverpool uh, to Belfast. 
I managed to, to snaffle up the very last uh, ticket uh, on that ferry. Uh, again, last minute, the last one, very um, expensive. Um, on that overnight ferry, I have to sleep on those um, awful shiny tiled floors um, in the brightly lit main staircase uh, on the ferry. Um, it, takes, it takes all night uh, to get there. I barely sleep a wink. Uh, it was an expensive trip. It was an uncomfortable trip. And yet it was completely worth it. Because I was heading back uh, that day for, um, for a wedding, for the wedding of, of two of my very best friends uh, from school. And I managed to make it just in time uh, and was able to enjoy what was a brilliant uh, day. See, it was costly, but I would have given almost anything to have made it. Some things are worth the cost. Um, Jesus' words here to us in Luke 14, they are, they are deeply challenging, aren't they? Some of the most challenging things I think Jesus uh, says. And yet I think they're also hugely encouraging um, as we seek to press on, as we seek to keep going. See, there is a cost uh, to following Jesus. But given what he's invited us to, well, we should give anything uh, to be there. That's what we're going to see uh, as we look at these words. Um, three points uh, for us uh, as we go through that Jesus invites us to a banquet, that it's surprising who's there, and that we need to bear in mind the cost. Firstly, then, Jesus invites us to a banquet. Um, I, I don't know about you, but at the minute, I would take an invitation to anything. Um, I mean, I don't know, a, a, a cup of tea and a digestive biscuit. I would be across town uh, for that. Uh, I'm there. Um, imagine uh, not just a, a cup of tea and a biscuit, but the best party uh, you can imagine. Best party you've ever been to. I don't know. Maybe it would be um, something like a state banquet uh, at Buckingham Palace. Uh, a grand affair uh, like no other. And the, the, the choicest uh, food and wine. Uh, just everything perfect, um, everything laid out um, immaculately. I guess those sort of state banquets, um, the, the quality of the evening probably depends on who's there. Um, I reckon this one uh, looks like a pretty fun one. Uh, I'd want to I'd join in. They look like they're having a good time. This one, um, slightly less so, but um, I'll not make any more comment on that. Uh, state banquet would be a, a wonderful occasion, wouldn't it? I don't know what the best party you've been to is. I think the, the party I enjoyed most was, um, was the party at our wedding. Um, there I had Sharon by my side, all our favorite people um, there. Uh, we got to choose the music. Uh, we even had chicken nuggets and sweet chili sauce at no expense uh, spared. Well, none of those, uh, whatever the grandest party we can imagine is, none of those get close to the banquet that Jesus is inviting us to. See, right across the Bible, we get this picture of a feast, of a banquet. Uh, we get it back in um, Isaiah 25. Um, on this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. It's a picture of plenty. But it's not just a great party. It, it is a celebration of what God has done in rescuing his people in finally defeating sin and death forever. And that's why we get the picture again right at the end of the Bible in Revelation 19. Uh, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper 
of the Lamb. Uh, and we get this feast um, in this little section, as Matt highlighted in, in Luke 13, 17. We get it in Luke 13, uh, 29. People will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Uh, you get it again um, in the parable of the prodigal son when the prodigal returns and a great feast uh, is given. And the banquet in this section, it, it is a picture of heaven, of God's kingdom. And Jesus is inviting us to join him there by putting our trust in him. That is what he offers to us. And when you become a Christian, you accept that invitation. That is the future that is waiting for you if you're trusting in Christ. Jesus invites us to a banquet. But the point he then makes here is it is surprising who is there. If you remember from, um, from last week, Jesus eating with the Pharisees, uh, the religious leaders of his day, and they all presume that they'll be in God's kingdom. They presume they'll be there at that feast. Look at verse 15. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. What that man says is, is true, but, but in the way that he says it, in the setting that he says it, um, it's clear that he's, he's pretty confident that he, um, he and others like him will be there. I think it's the, um, it's the equivalent of, I don't know what people would do now, they, they'd probably um, they'd take a selfie at this dinner party uh, with Jesus in the background, and they'd post it on Instagram, um, hashtag blessed to eat with Jesus. It's sort of, it's a humble boast. Blessed are those, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. They're confident, he's confident he'll be one of them. Why? Well, because he's, he's one of the good people and one of the, the spiritual people. And so he and those like him, they presume they'll be at the banquet. But Jesus, of course, he tells this parable, has other, story, other ideas. And because they might be upright, good citizens, but... Um, it is their response to Jesus that will determine whether or not they're at the banquet. And so he tells this parable, verse 16. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who'd been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I've just got married, so I can't come. Skip down then to verse 24, where we see what Jesus thinks of what they do. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. See, the parable is first and foremost a warning to the religious leaders and that unless they respond to Jesus, they will miss out on the banquet. That first set of guests, they have all sorts of excuses, don't they, for why they can't come. Oh, I've, I've got assets that I need to manage. I've got a business uh, I need to run. I've got a, a family commitment I just can't get out of. 
I don't know whether or not you, you think those are um, good excuses. The bottom line is these guests, they don't want to come. They have other priorities, other things that are more important to them. They don't understand that this banquet is worth giving up everything, anything for. It, it would be a bit like um, receiving an invitation to the next state banquet, uh, maybe for uh, President Biden. Imagine um, after receiving invitations, that if, if, um, if you call up um, at the palace and you speak to the, I don't know, the chief of events, the chief of state banquets, and you say, oh, thank you so much uh, for that invitation. Um, but I wonder if you could, if you could just move it forward uh, by a couple of days. I've actually got, um, I've got this thing on Zoom that evening and, um, and I need to be there. And actually, um, I wonder if you could uh, move it a bit earlier in the day because um, I normally eat at seven. And so to start to, to eat at half eight, it was just a bit late uh, for me. And I'm, I'm really grateful for, um, for the plus one uh, that you gave me. I'm, I'm planning on bringing um, my wife uh, along. But, but I'd really love to bring Auntie Sheila. Auntie Sheila, she's a big fan, big fan of, um, of the Queen's. And, uh, you know, she'd just love to be there. So um, uh, we, we don't mind squidging up. Uh, if, you just, um, if you could just set another place for us, that would, be, um, that would be great. You wouldn't do that, would you? You can't do that. I mean, you don't get to negotiate uh, the terms of the invitation don't you realize what you've been invited to? Um, it is worth changing all your plans, dropping everything, and coming. See, the, um, in the parable, the, the refusal to come when they're invited, it means they will not get a taste of the banquet. Verse 24 again. Um, the, the owner says, I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. And you've got to think, that is fair, isn't it? And these are the ones who will miss out, and they deserve to, if they refuse the invitation. Now, of course, it, it, it would be sad for them to miss out on a banquet if it were just a banquet. But this, this, is, this is eternity with God that Jesus is talking about. To miss out on that well, that's not just sad, that's, that's devastating. Uh, and so as we look at these verses, look, if, if you're tuning in and you're, you're not yet a Christian, just looking in on things, um, don't make the same mistake as these guests. Don't miss out on the banquet that Jesus invites you to eternity uh, with him. Jesus says, put your trust in me and you are welcome don't miss out on that. Don't, don't say, don't make up excuses. Oh, it just doesn't feel like the right time. It's, it's just not the most important thing uh, for me at the minute. Don't miss out. Because as Jesus makes clear here, the banquet will happen. And it doesn't get postponed or cancelled just because some refuse to come. Verse 21. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servants, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have done, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. 
Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you not, one of those who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. See, the owner finds those who will come and he sends his servants out to find other guests, the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. And certainly not those you'd expect to fill at such a great banquet. But he compels them, he urges them to come in. And that is a picture, isn't it, of what Jesus himself does. And Jesus goes out and finds the surprising guests to bring to his banquet. Not the upright, important uh, leaders, but the spiritually poor and crippled the spiritually blind and lame. Those who, who by themselves could never dream of being at such a banquet. Those who have no right uh, to be there. And th- this is not the, the usual sort of red carpet lineup uh, with their sharp suits and their, their snazzy ball gowns. No, they turn up in, in their rags. And they're, they're not invited for their, because um, they'll look good in photographs and they'll bring some witty uh, conversation to the table. You know, they're invited because the giver of the banquet is gracious. And so if, you, if you're a Christian, and that is you, that's your place in the parable, Jesus has come uh, to find you and to compel you to come in so that you would enjoy eternity with him. And not because you bring something uh, to the table, but because he is gracious. Now, like I know for many of us, um, we're, we're saying at the minute, but I just, I feel like a rubbish Christian. I feel like this year has, has been the hardest spiritually. It's been a real struggle. Well, if you, if that's you, if you know that, if you know your lack and your poverty, your need of a savior, Jesus goes out and finds you and compels you to come in. He doesn't say, bring your credentials with you. He says, come. It is an extraordinarily gracious invitation But to respond to that invitation, it is costly. Jesus makes sure that, that for those who are listening, and they know that although the invitation is free, they offer incredibly generous. Well, following him is not easy, and it is costly. So uh, we do need to bear in mind the cost. Look down at verse 25. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, And turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. That is that is strong stuff, isn't it? I think that is, it is meant to shock us. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, 
Well, I have to come before everything. Including three of the big major things in our lives, our family, our own life, ourself, and our comfort. I think you could do, um, this could easily fill three sermons, uh, just, uh, just these couple of verses. But let me, um, let me begin to try and sketch out what that might look like. Jesus says, I've got to come before family. What, what he's doing here is he's not telling us to literally hate our families, you know, get angry at them and shout at them. And, um, it, it, it is a way of expressing priorities. That is that following Jesus has to come first even before our family. So here's some, um, here's some questions that, that might help get us thinking about what this actually looks like. Um, will I follow Jesus even if it means being cut off uh, from my family? That would have been a question uh, for many of those listening to Jesus. Actually, to, to turn and trust in him would have meant being separated from their family, to be thrown out. That's, that's still true, isn't it, for many Christians um, around the world today? Uh, maybe for some of us. People, people are disowned by their families for becoming a Christian. Does Jesus' opinion uh, matter more to me than the opinion of my family? Am I willing to, to make hard decisions, but the right decisions for the spiritual good of my family? not just the choices that are popular or easy. Jesus says, following me has to come first. Before family, before self, even their own life. Some questions again. Am am I prepared to battle my sin, even, even the sin that I actually really quite like? Am I prepared to listen to Jesus more than my own desires? Am I going to obey him even when it's hard? Following Jesus has to come first, has to come before comfort. Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Am I prepared to follow Jesus when it means suffering? Again, many of those listening to Jesus would go on to give their lives for proclaiming the good news. Am am I willing to suffer for being a Christian? Am I willing to to take a hit to my standard of living because Jesus calls me to use my money in, in a different way? Following Jesus has to come first. It's costly to follow him. So I guess as, as, as we read that, we're just left thinking, is Jesus asking too much? Why would, why would I follow him if that is what it costs? Well, it must be that we realize what he's offered. We remember what he's offered to us. That is what makes the cost worthwhile. I don't know if, um, if you've seen uh, any of the footage of the Australian Open tennis players um, in Melbourne, preparing for uh, for the tournament next month, and they're all having to. Lots of them are having to quarantine in, in their hotel rooms, uh, not allowed out, not even allowed to open a window uh, for two weeks, and they're having to hit um, hit tennis balls up against the wall um, as practice. Why are they doing that? 
strange thing to do. Why? Well, it is, isn't it? The, it's the promise of lifting that trophy at the end of the tournament, of, of having your name in the record books. It's also the promise, actually, of um, £56,000, even if you lose in the first match, um, up to £1.5 million uh, if, you're the, if you're the winner of the tournament. I think I'd take two weeks in a Melbourne hotel uh, for, for a shot at that. See, it may be costly, but what's on offer is worth it. Well, for us, how much more certain uh, can we be of what Jesus offers to us? Not just a, a, a chance at glory, but a certain hope of eternity with him. And it is worth it. It is worth the cost. It'd be pretty daft, wouldn't it, if, um, if those players um, got, I don't know, halfway through their quarantine, they'd flown halfway around the world, uh, they'd, they'd uh, lived in that hotel room for, I don't know, 11 days, only to decide on day 12, well, that's enough. Oh, I've had enough. I, I, I'd rather head home. Now, don't give up just because it's costly. And, and Jesus says, look, if you're going to follow me, I mean, you've got to be prepared to see it through uh, to the end, uh, no matter the cost. That is, I think, the point he's making um, in verses 28 to 35. Uh, we don't have a lot of time to look at them, but um, that is the point he's making there. D don't start building a tower unless you know you can finish it. Um, don't go out to war unless you're confident of victory. That is, know, know what you're signing up for and when you choose to follow him. Uh, and so don't give up uh, when it gets costly. Look, that, that, that is hard at the minute, isn't it? And many of us, I know, are feeling like, like we're not really doing anything in our lives particularly well. Uh, work, uh, relationships, parenting, church. Uh, but if that's you, um, I think these verses aren't meant to beat us up. They are meant to encourage us. If it feels costly to keep on trusting Jesus, that probably means you're still following him. So when sticking with church, um, even when it's not, not nearly as good uh, tuning in online, if you're sticking with it, well, it means you're, you're following him. When you're, you're trying to carve out that time to read your Bible and pray, well, that means actually other things are pushed out. Well, you are counting the cost of following him. When, um, when making your, your DG group, your small group, means actually need to do work emails long into the night, well, you are counting the cost. And look, if you just feel battered by that and wearied, if you feel that, that some of those things you're not doing, they're not happening at all, well, you've got to remember what Jesus promises here. The promise of that banquet of eternity with him. So it is worth it following Jesus. It is costly, but it is worth it. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, what the Lord Jesus offers us is extraordinary. Even, the, even a picture of a banquet is not enough to, 
express how glorious it is, how glorious it will be to spend all eternity with him. And so, Father, we pray that you would give us eyes to see that. Father, help us, therefore, to to count the cost, to keep trusting Jesus even when it's hard. Father, that we would not miss out, but that we would enjoy eternity with him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.